Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast with your hosts, Rail Bricker and Lindsay Adams. And welcome back. I'm Lindsay Adams. Our special guest today is Neil Toir. Uh, Neil lives in Missouri in the centre of the United States and he tells me it's getting cold there. Serves you right, Neil, for living there. Oh, it's nice and warm here. Um, <laughs> Uh, Neil is the uh, co-founder and CEO of Voltage Digital Marketing. He's been launching, operating and growing private label e-commerce businesses for the last nine years. He's a really interesting guy. He and his clients have sold over 100 million plus in physical products, primarily through the Amazon FBA sales channel. Welcome, Neil. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Um, Neil, interesting interesting story. Uh, got some really good stuff to share. Let's get right into it. Um, so your top five tips that all sellers need to 10x their business. Uh, what's mm-hmm. tip number one? All right. To go from zero from hero, the first thing you have to do in any physical e-commerce product business is have a product. So <laughs> once upon a time, I had a conversation with a guy, one of my first clients that I actually taught what I was doing. We had started multiple brands and was do- we're doing millions of business. And there was a, my first client relationship was with a gentleman. And we get to the end of the conversation and he succinctly just says, okay, but what the hell do I sell? And so that kind of stuck with the answer to every question that revolves around physical products, and that is obviously the product. So let me give you a quick uh, tip here on how to actually determine whether or not a product is viable and what it means in the Amazon FBA market. So if you are in Amazon at all, and there's an Australian market, of course, and we're predominantly in the US.com market, but if you've bought anything on Amazon for the last 90 days, in as a Prime member or member in Amazon, you should know that Amazon says over 70% of those products are sold by third-party sellers. Mm-hmm. So just do the math of those products you purchased in the last 90 days. There's a good portion, a majority of them that were sold by people like us, third-party sellers. So a first-level analysis would be to look at those products and say, what are they? What solution are they providing? And what is the need for that? Find a need and fill it. So if the product can fill that solution, there's a possibility you could sell one of them. First level analysis. So starting to answer what the hell do I sell is literally doing what we call urban mining. Okay, it's in your environment. It's around you. It's anything you've purchased on Amazon or maybe would purchase uh, if you were a woman 27 to 40 plus, because that's 80% of the sales on Amazon. Oh, really? Uh, Say that again? Say that again? Yep. Over 80% of the sales on Amazon are women 27 to 40 plus. That's 630 million a day in sales of which 80% are done by women. So at that point, you know your avatar. Yeah, it's attached to mine. Yeah, yeah, it goes to mine. It must go to mine too because it gets four (laughs) or five deliveries a week in my house. So if you get that first level analysis, you go over to somewhere like Google Shopping, you go to Alibaba.com, you make a quick initial uh, look at the products and say, well, based on what they're selling at a retail Based on what I believe I can get it at a low price initially, does is there any margin in there? Is there a reasonable amount of margin at first? And just do that first level analysis. If it's yes, put it on your sheet, okay? What you're going to find is that there are so many products, there's more than you can do in a lifetime, right? So how do we disseminate those products, so many of them that could qualify for that? And, and that part of that question about what the hell do I sell is how do you go buy the numbers? Like how do seven and eight figure sellers actually, and this is tip two, Go buy the numbers to determine that one of those products in my list could actually be sold. And it's a numerical algorithm. It's a scientific methodology that we developed called our Greenlight Spreadsheet. In there, we have to determine there's profitability. Number one, profitability leads obviously to a product that can be sold for profit. And by profit, I mean net profit because nobody really cares about revenue. That's just vanity. You're right. Profit is sanity and cash flow is king. 
So at the end of the day, we want to make sure we've got enough net profit for ourselves. So the question is, it's your first level estimate. Can you get more or at $12 in net profit per unit? Now, there are going to be a number of calculations in there for Amazon's fees, marketing, landed cost of the product, what's called cost of goods. How much does it take to actually get one of those units? And the other fees that you'll stack on top of that. Now, based on the retail price and the rough estimate, do you have roughly any profit? Can you get close to it at your first level analysis? Now, if you go through a scientific process of this, you'll actually eliminate it through a spreadsheet and now a digital software uh, that goes through and then basically in a single click, we'll import all the data from our systems and literally tell you in a click, is this a profitable uh, product? What is my net profit, net percentage, and net ROI of this product? If it all green lights, you have a product that you should test in the market. So if this product is now test worthy in the market, tip three is don't marry it. Steal somebody else's girlfriend instead. <laughs> there are so many products, 600 million, in fact, inside of Amazon right now. There were 200 million when I started selling almost 10 years ago. So the market has grown exponentially. The competition has gone up. One of the fears, of course, is saturation and depreciation of the product. Race to the bottom pricing, too many reviews, your product cannot be profitable, or there's too many me too products in the marketplace. So what do we want to do? We want to look at products that could be sold or can be innovated. We don't want to invent. We don't want to go try to create patents. That's too far down the process. What we're looking to do at this point is simply innovate something in the market. One of my four daughters was up. I forget which one at 3 a.m. in the morning. I, I can't remember if I have four or 15. It just depends upon how sleep deprived I am. Uh, but I had one of my daughters up at three in the morning and I'm watching an infomercial feeding her a bottle, trying to calm her down and go back to bed. This was not too long after my wife uh, gave birth. So she was pretty tired. So I'm up hanging on the kid. Uh, up comes this infomercial and suddenly it's like they were speaking to me and dad with three little children. And it was this product called Seat Pets. And it was this uh, doll character animal thing that you put in the car and you stick the seat belt through it and the kids can lay their head on it so they don't get jacked up in the car. It's like, well, that's really kind of a clever product. They were doing an infomercial. Okay, half a million dollars minimum to put an infomercial in at four in the morning could be up to a million on major markets if you go bigger. And of course, more than a million if you're going to go into major channels. So I'm thinking somebody's putting some serious money into this product. So I got up around noon <laughs> after sleeping uh, from the kid being up so late. And I called my partner. And I said, hey, there's this product idea. We got to check this out. So he comes back a day later and he says, hey, my son is very much into anime, which was just coming up. It was new trending, you know, the arts. And he said, what if we put like an animal anime character on these faces as opposed to just a straight up animal? So we did that. We had them engineered. We got eyeballs and we made them look like more anime characters. And we developed a brand called Belt Buddies, the competitor to seat pets. So we put 2000 units of Belt Buddies into Amazon Marketplace and sold them out in eight days. Zero marketing, nice. zero research, zero everything, Whoa. and went to and straight out of 2,000 units. And we said, well, I think we got something going here. So we didn't marry the product, but we tried something that was in it. And we you know, ethically stole the marketing of their infomercial because people were coming to Amazon to buy the product or look for it. But we were just a little bit better at the marketing they were. And so they saw our product first. And we were actually a higher retail price point. So Neil, okay, so, so you, you've you, you covered off a lot of stuff in there, but let me, I want to go back to that, that simple thing you said, and it's, it's obviously your intellectual property as Voltage, you know, digital marketing, Correct. but you said you were better at marketing it than these guys were running a half a million dollar, um, you know, infomercial campaign. Correct. So Correct. what, what made you better? That was the first question. And then I'll come yeah. back to how you chose 2000 and how you got that on the marketplace and things like okay. that. Some technical stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it is a, it is a little bit technical because quick history. I was at IBM until 2007 before I left to go on my adventure. As part of that, I was part of a business management and knowledge management team. I ran in 
basically developed businesses inside of companies for IBM. And I was predominantly in the mobile and telco space. And in that telco space, you know, we would develop these knowledge management platforms to disseminate knowledge and information quickly, uh, just in time and through artificial intelligence. So because of that, I learned that the engine uh, that I had to help to develop and, and was a part of the Armuk Research Department out of New York when I left that division was a part was a, a similar type or almost to the exact measurement. I can't quite tell you of the similar engine Amazon started using and developing. They call it the A9 engine. And so because of that A9 engine, there was a learning and knowledge management system they had developed instead of information and knowledge, they were transferring product data, which was innovative, right? So instead of Google, they just, you know, serving up information, they were serving up products. And Bezos made the declaration, we want to sell all things to all people in 30 seconds or less. So they spent the better part of the last 20 years developing this platform of artificial intelligence to deliver products just in time in 30 seconds or less to the customer. When I recognized that in 2011, I started to reverse engineer what I knew the different points, type, title, image, and context of that engine might be looking for. And then just started to document that process to determine how it was developing a relationship with the product, the customer, how it was ranking, how it was weighting different aspects of the technology, and then basically kind of reverse engineered a process of launching products that would dance with the algorithm and reward me over the competition based on statistical analysis alone because no one had actually got my product yet. So Amazon sells to the customer and delivers to the customer last mile through what's called fulfilled by Amazon or FBA. So I don't have a warehouse employees and I don't touch the products. So the beauty of it was, how do I get the engine to recognize me as a better brand? How do I get it to just see and give me traffic and organic sales? Because as of today, they're moving 4,000 units a minute through the system. Then they were doing about one to 2,000 units based on peak volume, based on holiday. So it was quite a bit of a change <laughs> in the marketplace. But even then, still a lot of business. So how do I get in front of it? We just figured out the statistical. We rewarded the engine. We dance with the engine over a 90-day period now. Uh, and we basically get it to believe that we are the better product before the customer even receives it or before they close the loop through uh, the review process and through, obviously, the feedback that helps drive the full customer experience. So there's a process we developed um, to launch those products and to market them within the Amazon ecosystem. And because of that, uh, we spent the better part of nine years launching brands extremely fast and extremely large. Okay, well, that that, that answers the question because, you know, you just you flipped over that little comment, which is obviously the key to your success. Um, it has a, there's a spot to there. That's right. There's a little bit of technology going on in the background that I kind of learned how to how to reward and within the terms of service. Uh, and so because of that process, we were able to basically get our product more visible than their product in Amazon for the customers who were coming on to Amazon from the infomercial. And we simply got our product in front of them faster with a better proposition crossing over toys and games with anime. We simply had a slightly unique branded proposition and it was a branded physical private label mm -hmm. product that we owned. And so, and so in that respect, let me, let me go back to the second question is you said you put 2000 units onto Amazon. Correct. Um, you know, how, are all the, the third party sellers or the, you know, uh, on Amazon today physically, are they the physical holders of the stock and so the, the logistics? So Amazon's fulfillment system, well, there's a couple of ways you can do it. There's what's called fulfilled by merchant. If I'm the merchant of record, I have a manufacturing or a warehouse, I can ship products after they're sold through Amazon and I have to fit within Amazon's delivery window and what's called a shipping uh, platform. And with the shipping uh, platform and the policies, I have to match up with them and then I can ship myself or I can take said physical products. And based on the inventory requirements that Amazon gives me or the IPI, uh, what's called IPI rules, amount of units I can actually stack, uh, I can send those to Amazon's warehouses, which they pick and pack and fulfill them directly for me. 
So because of that, um, I we sent those 2,000 units directly to Amazon's warehouses, and they were delivering it to Prime members in two days. So we didn't even have to do that, right? We just sent them all awesome. for the manufacturer directly to Amazon, and Amazon sold them to the customer. So it creates that ecosystem. That, what is it? I call now a lifestyle as a business, not a business-driven lifestyle. So I live in 48 acres in the country, homeschool my girls. We travel if we want. We can go to Florida for a month, and business continues to operate in a physical capacity with nearly passive or what I call almost automated income. Nice. So, okay. So lead us forward then. Uh, where to next? So you asked about the 2,000 units. That was an arbitrary number. That was a Hail Mary pass. We were so confident that we had something really unique that we took a risk. We took a big risk because normally what we'll do is we'll launch 100, 200, 300 units. We'll, we'll do a micro and test and invest process. Uh, and we'll feed that engine a lot of data uh, to prove which of the products of our variation, size, tape, you know, size, color, et cetera, is going to match up with that demand the engine is already getting from the customers and whether or not our statistical relevance, if you will, inside of our seller account with our brands is going to match or exceed the lowest three competitors within Amazon for our product. If that occurs over a long enough time, we get the reward from the engine versus the competitor and it raises up our organic sale in the system, right? So we have that methodology. So the component there was just to go out and look at the marketplace and identify opportunities and simply tweak an innovation, okay? You can think about a lot of things you have with you right now that are slight variations of something else, okay? Tennis shoes, <laughs> baseball caps, okay? T-shirts, these are all just slightly innovative uh, products against another one. It could be a color, it could be just the saying on the ball cap or the shirt, these are all innovations. So the beauty of what we do through the innovation process is we can quickly innovate opportunities, test them and find out if they make market demand. So because of that, if you lead forward, you realize Amazon is just a big river of flowing information, okay? But it's also this big decision tree. Okay, so Amazon might be like a river, but it's also a tree. So if you look at the way the departments and categories and subcategories of this big filing system, okay, of data is structured within Amazon, you recognize that most of the people who start to sell who end up failing in six months are at the branches and at the trunks. They're not down into the weeds, what we call niches uh, in Amazon's system. Uh, and as they say online, the riches are in the niches. So in those niches are typically solution-oriented products, retail prices 50 to 100 or 100 plus, which is a what we call the second tier or third, uh, third tier of Amazon's seller uh, psychological buyer. That We can go into that later if we want. Uh, but the psychology of the buyers to understand solution-oriented buyers, they will pay 50 to $100 for a product someone else is selling for 30. It's all about how you innovate the product as well as present the marketing. And because of that, in the engine, there are keyword phrases that people use. They typically search predominantly Mobile devices are, have uh, overtaken this year. Uh, traffic and purchases on mobile devices have overtaken desktop. So people are very much on the go. They're quickly looking for products and solutions. They're tapping the add to cart button from their phone and getting it delivered in two days or up to, an, you know, down to an hour. Uh, if they're in inner city, you know, big cities with drop boxes or delivery within an hour. So because of that, we look at the, that psychology of the buyer. We look at the product type and the price point and the profitability. And we realize that people are searching and looking for those solutions. And we simply organize our launch process over 90 days to align with the highest relevancy keywords, relevant product listings that are extremely in demand, as well as the relevant product solutions that meet that customer demand. And then we test market those to determine where they are. The reciprocal reward is there's a lot of traffic, 200 million buyers a month. 
Uh, it'll peak uh, here very shortly in the fourth quarter um, as we roll towards Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So we're going to have a lot of sales. <laughs> Amazon grow, has grown tremendously. Uh, during the COVID bump, they were up 60% in the fourth quarter of 2020. Uh, we saw in the first quarter of 2021, 10 years of growth in three months. So what we saw was a major uh, adaptation of this marketplace as a true and legitimate business as it should be treated. It is not a side hustle or a hobby business. So we approach this business very differently than many people think about it. We think in you know, 90 day run rates and annualized as well as net profit and EBITDA. So we see this as a business that we're going to pay potentially, you know, take to market over, so it's taken, you know, six to 12 months into market. We're going to dominate that product and that segment and we're going to become the winner in that marketplace. We're not here to just play for a minute. Okay. So. So that actually leads really well to the next um, one of our five tips, because yes, you know, you've been through this whole thing and now you've got this business running. So how does your platinum principle apply to this business that's up and running and going? Right. So we've always heard the idea that you get to the top level of a corporation or business or the pinnacle of your corporate career. And what happens is they give you a golden parachute of some kind, right? They throw you out the door and you get this big parachute. And hopefully it's not just a watch. Maybe it's a, you know, trips on the jet every quarter or whatever, if you want, you know, penthouse, et cetera. That is, you know, that is a pie in the sky dream for a corporate ladder. For us with the business, it is literally realizing that the money that we make from the very beginning of these businesses is actually worth more than the end than at any time during the business building phase. So as we build these companies from the foundation up, we build them for exit within 24 months. So the platinum principle is in essence, the building of the businesses and exiting is the business model. So as we move them through Amazon FBA, improve the product and the profitability, we'll then move them into multiple channels, other marketplaces, direct to consumer channels and Shopify websites, et cetera. Open up those additional channels. That gives us more base points uh, at time of exit. And then we can take a base point exit uh, FBA channel that would normally be three to four X in 24 months. And we can move it to a six to 10 X when we open multiple additions. That of course means we need to have at least 18% net profit uh, in the business or greater, uh, beyond seven figures in the sellability of the business. And of course, the upside potential and operational independence of that business must be a big factor. So everything is factored in from the start of that business all the way through the exit of that company. Uh, and as I mentioned, that is the business model. Uh, money is worth more today than it is tomorrow. Inflation 101, right? Uh, <laughs> demand, supply, and elasticity demand that we take and move our money through the market and we put our soldiers back to work. So there's a big component of ensuring that that product and that knowledge then gets redeployed into additional brands. And we can brand and brand and brand again once you realize the opportunity and you learn that knowledge. That's a major capital asset. And once you capitalize the business to exit, you can go right back in the market and do it again. So I teach people like franchise or wholesale real estate how to go into a virtual marketplace with physical inventory and repeat that process as long as they want. Unreal. Um, Neil, so much information in such a short time, but sadly, we are out of time. Uh, should our listeners <laughs> want to uh, get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that, to explore maybe how they can uh, utilize your services? Absolutely. If you want to learn a bit more about that and you want to listen to me probably slow down a little bit in the speech, go to Voltage B2B. <laughs> that's B number two B.com. There's a free training there with Kevin Harrington as a partner in my portfolios group. You may have known him as the uh, scene on TV guy or one of the original sharks on Shark Tank. We sold about five billion in real estate. We talk about our business model uh, in that podcast that you're willing to take on. It's a free training and uh, on my list, I'll give you some more information as well. Some more free training, some software and other stuff to help you along your process and help you identify if this is a business model 
that you might want to approach. If you got no experience, that's okay. It's my preferred method from people because I teach them my processes and my game plan. And I'd love to hear from you. And lastly, if you just, if you can't figure out that URL for whatever reason, just Google me. My last name is Twa, like the airlines. You can't miss me. Uh, If you Google me, you're going to find an airline or me. So check out my social media, connect anywhere else, uh, send me a message. Happy to connect with you. Thank you, Neil. And uh, thank you to my co-host, Lindsay Adams, to uh, Neil from Neil Twa from Missouri. This is Rail Bricker from Perth, Western Australia, signing off for another edition of the Top 5 Podcast.